Welcome to episode 180 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and this is the show where we get to know the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. And on today's show, I welcome Suki Malloy, and we talked about all kinds of different things. We talked about, here's some teasers to get you ready for it. We talked about felt. We talked about special effects. We talked about brain science, understanding how brains work, child development, all kinds of different things, all of which feed in to Suki's music. What you just heard was a, a small clip of her song, Five Little Oysters, which you can hear all the way at the end of the show. And put on headphones and turn them up because there's lots of good bleeps and bloops and things like that in that one. Really, really fun. If you're like me, you watched the Super Bowl last night and were left totally, totally bored, unimpressed, and like not excited. But that's not what we're talking about here today. What we're talking about is Suki Malloy, one of the creators of Certified and Bonafide Good Stuff for Kids and Families. If you want to reach me, drop me a line via email, mike at goodstuffpod.com. Find me on social media, the at symbol goodstuffpod. You can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts if you are so inclined. All of these things are very nice things, so you can do all of them. Okay? So stay tuned all the way to the end to hear Suki's song, Five Little Oysters, all the way through. And we'll talk to you then. Enjoy. Here is Suki Malloy. Good stuff. It's a Monday morning treat to welcome Suki Malloy to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. How are you, Suki? <laughs> I'm great. It's good to be here. All right. So we uh, we should set the scene. I think it's important for people to know where you are and, and, and sort of get a feel for, for geographically what's happening for you. So where are you located? Um, I live in Nyack, New York, which is where I am now, which is right on the Hudson River, and it's north of New York City, about twenty minutes. Uh huh. I was I once went to a wedding in Nyack, and I stayed at like a really not very nice hotel, but it was a really fun wedding. Oh yeah, it's not great on hotels here, but there are some <laughs> lovely places to have weddings. Do you remember where it was? I don't. It was a. It was right on the water. It was my. Best friend, and uh, I should remember it, but you know we were having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Enough about that. Okay, that's okay. not what this is about. Um, so tell us a little bit. You are a um, sort of a very well-rounded uh, kids and family musician, um, mm-hmm. and but I would say actually more more. T- to, to expand it, an artist more than anything else. So what's a little bit of your backstory? Where are you coming from musically and, and artistically before we get to all of the stuff that you're doing now? Okay, well, I've, I've, I feel really blessed, actually, because my family um, raised my sister and me to really appreciate the arts. My mother actually was the manager of the Hartford Symphony Orchestra, and she had studied opera at Juilliard and so from the time I was very little, I was taken into New York City to uh, the American Ballet Theater and New York City Ballet, and of course to the opera. And I think when I was six or seven years old, I sat through an entire Wagnerian opera oh. and and liked it. Oh, so double well. <laughs> yeah, that, that sort of kind of went in. And then when I would be picked up after school... Uh, I don't know at what age, maybe middle school. 
and my mother would take me to where the the symphony orchestra was rehearsing and that's where I would just sort of lay on the floor on my stomach and do my homework and be listening to a full orchestra oh my goodness rehearsing and um specifically there was one time where they were playing Peter and the Wolf and do you know about Peter and the Wolf yeah 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 and hearing how each instrument, a clarinet or a bassoon, could make these sounds that sounded just like an animal. And I think that that was an awakening for me, um, musically, of making a kind of connection as someone who was young. And I also studied ballet from the time I was very young and then transitioned to modern dance um, at, at a certain point. And I, I was in a dance company in New York City. Um, very fortunate to wow, have like, been. Like a real dance company in real, real New York City. Whoa. Yeah, that's, that, that's what I said to myself. I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, that's so cool. And it's hard on the body. And I was older at that point. So when I transitioned from that, I had this feeling that I wanted to share movement and music with very young children. But I didn't want to teach the technical part. So that kind of launched me into my own healing from having to leave the world of dance and leading me that back into piano studies. And um, and I studied uh, with Bonnie Bainbridge-Cohen, who has the um, Center for um, Body-Mind Centering up in Amherst, Mass., which is where I learned about infant development. And then I studied um, developmental movement with Garland O'Quinn in Texas. Um, so these pieces began to come together for me where music and movement were related. Uh, and it, it all just happened very accidentally, how it developed to where I am now. Wow. wow. So uh, amazing that all of these different things come together. So at what point were you, you mentioned that, you know, you wanted to... Um, do something musical with with really little kids. Um, so, what was like the the entry to that? Like, what was the point where you're like, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this step and I'm really gonna do it and it's gonna be my thing. I mean, I, I get that it was all like a gradual thing, right? Like, it wasn't like one day you were like, here I am, Suki Malloy, full, fully formed kids and family <laughs> musician. <laughs> no, what what happened was that my husband and I at that point lived uh, in New York City and we had a two year old baby toddler and i discovered that around the corner was a large gymnastic a potential for a gymnastic studio uh that was just sitting there empty and uh i took my son a few times and i would observe him moving around <laughs> moving around in this gigantic space and i had the thought that um i could offer a movement program for uh, children from age two to five and because Jimboree and other programs like that were up and running quite strong at that point and I had been to programs like that with my child and uh, so the the people who ran that it was a uh, called Sokol it's a Czechoslovakian organization and it was just sheer luck it was around the corner so I developed this program, and then I began to acquire equipment. And um, we started with 17 children, and when I left, there were 250. Nice. 
And so, I, you know, it was kind of flying by the seat of my pants, but I thoroughly enjoyed learning by observing how children move. And of course, I had been studying it, and then I became certified in it. And then the next step was, well, I would start to sing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and the children would say, well, I know that, and we would sing together, and then I began to change up the lyrics from familiar traditional tunes, mm -hmm. and the singing was becoming a part of the moving, and then with the programs, uh, when parents would participate, uh, finally when I moved to Nyack and we had our second child, uh, I started teaching programs here, and one of the mothers said, well, could you just sing that on a little CD and we could have it at home? And I said, well, sure. And I thought it over and um, thought, well, no, I'm, I, I think I need a recording studio and stuff like that. <laughs> so I was introduced to, of all people who only lives two towns away, is Larry Alexander, who's a Grammy winner. And uh, he's recorded Bruce Springsteen's first two albums, which actually was local to Nyack. Yeah. And uh, Diana Ross and Bon Jovi and David Bowie. And I said, no, I, I'm not going to go meet this man. <laughs> That's what a, a ridiculous that's thought. That's a little intimidating, isn't it? <laughs> and he is the loveliest person. He's a very quiet man. He listens very carefully. And I went in and I recorded um, a couple of songs and I came home and I called him and I said, no way. <laughs> this is never going to happen. He said, we'll come back one more time. And we are five CDs later. Yeah. Wow. And then the other piece of it is um, in the classes when I teach, I began to acquire all these things like puppets and musical instruments and felt boards um, for the children and families to interact with. And even when I'm on a big stage, I just have a six-foot felt board. So everything I do in the classroom translates to the performing end. And it was then that I realized that I had an interest in um, creating storyboards and felt. Both my grandparents were uh, visual artists. So I had had I remember being a little kid, and I would get to spend the weekend with my grandfather, who at that point was widowed, and I could just sit and watch him paint all day, and it was the most extraordinary thing to see a cloud appear and a tree appear. <laughs> uh -huh. So there was some sense of how magic it is for very young children to see images that they can relate to. So that's where my picture books and all the animations grew out of um, this work with just cutting felt into shapes. And lo and behold, that became part of um, the music and the movement together. Yeah, so the, and it's it's really cool. You know, I was uh, I wanted to ask about how how you got to felt art, but it seems like you you are an artist. You are genetically. <laughs> created to be an artist in some way, which is really, really cool. Um, but I, but I, I want to say about that, because I, I didn't plan any of this. So right, right. what I discovered is I'm with a, a small or large group of children, with or without parents there, because it could be a nursery school or a kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't seem very fair to be the only one. Play, I play the auto harp um, 
in performance because I can't take a piano around with me. Okay. And um, to be the only one playing an instrument or the only one holding a puppet or the only one putting felt on a big board. Mm-hmm. So I would get these ideas and then realize, well, it's it, it, for the developing brain, one part of the brain is being used if a child is sitting and watching somebody else do something. But if the child also gets to do it at the same time, then that much more of their brain is getting developed and nourished by my presence. Mm-hmm. So then I figured out, okay, if I cut out 100 little ducks <laughs> and, and make 20 or 25 little small storyboards, which is very easy to do between, you know, Office Depot and AC Moore, and... Uh, and give each child five ducks and a board. Now we can sing the song, we can move like a duck, and we can also add and subtract the ducks from the board, each one having their own board. So it became more and more exciting for me. And there's some cost involved having 25 of everything. (laughs) 25... 25 triangles, 25 balls, 25 scarves. But so you know, my basement got taken over as the studio. (laughs) Yeah, But that's kind of how it happened is it's really been a question for me all along is what invites learning, but in a way that is, is actually deeply personal for the child um, so that they can have an experience that's cooperative with everyone else but they can also be handling materials at the level where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been interested in songs and activities that everybody in the room in some way can enter into, but that it actually helps them develop. It isn't just entertaining, because it's pretty easy to entertain. Uh-huh. Well, um, I mean, I think that you're just naturally gifted. I think it's it's a learned yeah. thing for a lot of people. But yeah, absolutely. I know what you're saying. Um, so how does all of this inform your, you know, so so let's let's talk about, you know, we, we this, you just released your fifth record, I believe, called Five yep. Little Oysters. Yes. And I think that I think taking all of those things that you've been talking about, like having all of the ways that you want kids to engage and that you are thinking about them educationally to engage, how does that inform the, I guess, like the song choices, you know? So there's a lot of really, I mean, you put your own spin entirely on it. Like when I heard it's raining, it's pouring, I was like, this is a different thing. I like this a lot. But (laughs) how how does that inform your, your song choices? Well, this, this new, um, CD Five Little Oysters. Larry and I were particularly attracted to go hunt for um, more traditional songs um, to add. So traditional meaning it's in public domain, which means it's at least seventy-five years old. And it's always been interesting to me that certain songs, um, like Skip, Skip, Skip to Malou, Skip, Skip, Skip. Why do these songs, or Twinkle Little Star, which was written by Mozart. I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Yes. <laughs> um, not the words, but yeah, uh-huh. the melody. It's part of a larger symphony. And there are three little versions of it. And I think he was like five when he sat down and banged out these couple little melodies. Um 
But what is it about a song that makes it last over time? Like, I've been working on the railroad. What, what is it? Mm-hmm. There's something totally captivating, and for the parents, too. So, you know, I had in past albums recorded a number of traditional tunes, but always I change up the lyrics so that the lyrics are related to what we're actually doing. And in this case, um, sometimes we change the lyrics and sometimes we stayed with the original lyrics. But I always have a question when I'm looking at a song is how much can we extract from this song that relates directly with the child's developing brain? So, yes, they can listen and they can jump around. And that's that's one thing. That's one form of participating. But... How much learning can we include? So will this be about counting or will this be about identifying animal sounds? Or is this a story that's going to relate to creative imagination? So we were looking back to some of these older tunes like It's Raining, It's Pouring, and also The Ants Go Marching, which is a a battle hymn. (laughs) Um, And seeing how to enter into what that song can offer um, so that we can draw the child's attention inside it as much as possible. And I'm always very careful about the layering because um, I know that a child, a very young child, the brain can hear in certain registers well and in other registers not, too low or too high, the brain tunes it out. They also respond to um, real simplicity and a lot of repetition. So it means that some music may be less interesting to the parent, Um, but, but we're really corresponding to where that child is able to listen according to where they are developmentally. So I always start simply by the introduction of the sound and then if you listen carefully, you can hear that with each verse, we add a layer huh, cool. so that the child isn't being hit over the head with a bunch of sound that then the brain has to spend energy trying to figure out which thing to listen to. It's absolutely fascinating to me. It's the same thing if, you, if a child is using rhythm sticks, for instance, and we're singing and doing stuff. Um, if you watch across the room... You know, one child is able to tap them together right away. Another child can listen to some indications like tap on the floor, tap on your toes, tap in the air. And another child, they're they're at the level where they just want to chew on the stick. <laughs> right. So, so the song, and, and as we're selecting songs, in this case, more than half of them on this album are traditional, um, how many children can listen to this and still participate on some level. And then the other songs are songs that I, you know, just if I'm in the mood, um, a song will appear. So there are some original songs there too, but it's always has an intention like um, the sun shines on my body. Mm -hmm. The idea is that I'm pointing to those places on my body as I'm singing about them. So, 
there's nothing that's ever been recorded by Larry and me that I haven't tried yet with kids. Right. It's all it's all laboratory tested. So yep. it, it, it Sunny and TikTok went out one day. Is that another? Yeah. That's another yeah. original. So what? Tell me about that one. Well, Sunny and TikTok are two um, stuffed felt characters who um, I developed in, in my first baby programs to have something to sit on my lap that the children could look at the face of it and be attracted and feel less shy because I'm holding something that they can connect to. So I created Sunny and TikTok and then when, uh, and they each have a song on my very first album. Uh, and then when I developed the um, DVD series and the animations that were on Baby First TV, Suki's Circle, um, Sunny and TikTok, um, I then created them as storyboards and felt, and then we animated them. Cool. So um, Sunny and TikTok, but probably particularly TikTok, is a national phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that's so, so i i you know they each had their own song and i realized no well, I, you know i can't just leave it at that so uh sunny and tiktok went out one day is just a further um, development of their relationship sunny is a sun and tiktok is a clock so uh -huh. there's a lot that we can go into about changes of Seasons or times to wake up, time to go to bed, time for a nap. Um, so this is just about Sunny and TikTok went out one day over the hill and far away. Yeah, I mean, that, and it's it's great. And, and another aspect of this record that I think is really, um, really well done and and pretty unique is the there's a story at the end, and the story coincides yeah. with a picture book. And yes. I, you know. I, one of my favorite things when I was little, probably five or six, was I had like a, a little record player and I had like the Superman story and I could follow along with the book. And this totally brought me back to that. And it's like so crystal clear and it sounds so good. And 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 the 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 pictures that go along with the story, that's all felt artwork, right? Like you yes. did all of that artwork. So. I, I think that you know we we're gonna we're gonna sort of toe the line into spoiler territory because I want people to hear this, but I don't think we want to give too much away, right? Because it's a really really cool thing that you've done. Oh, the story of Little Flame in yeah. the Arctic. Yeah, yeah. and th and there's another one for Five Little Oysters, the the title track, right? There is, and then there's also another one for the ants go marching, which oh, just didn't. I, I couldn't quite, I finished it about a week after the release, so that uh -huh. got sort of tagged on. But I have to say also what you're saying, that you used to listen to a record and look at a book. These are audio picture books, and so they don't have to be looked at with the, the song, but they're developed and created in such a way that that's the intention. Uh -huh. So at the back of each book is the song download. Mm. So you just put the download into your phone and then you own the own the song and then you can look at it listen to it as you're looking at the books mm -hmm. and uh, the books yeah they're developed and felt and i uh well separate from the little flame in the arctic but all of these is, have also been animated oh, cool. um so you know it's fun to see how far one can take a medium 
Um, but it was always my idea, like with the Five Little Oysters book, which is, it's a counting story. Mm-hmm. It's a counting song. Um, that when we do it on a felt board, because, uh, you know, I also sell these various products of felt kits and all kinds of stuff, puppets and stuff, um, that the child can listen to the song and look at the book or listen to the song and uh, have a felt board and have just five circles on it and have them appear and reappear through the movement of their own hand while they're listening and singing. And these are things like parents, if any parents are listening, you can um, make a felt board from any office supply store, like an eight and a half by 11 or nine by 12 little board with a peel on the other side, adhesive peel back, Mm -hmm. and just put a piece of felt the same size, which you can buy at any craft store. So now you have what I call a storyboard. And then with the child cutting or cutting separately as, as the adult, you can make all these little images very simply and sing the song yourself. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so that way we're, we're using as, as many parts of that child's um, brain as possible during that activity. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the songs, the, uh, the stories are very dear to my heart. And in other albums, there's the story of Little Lamb. And the story of Twinkle Little Star, I think, has been a real hit on YouTube. Oh, nice. That's a good yeah. thing. That's a good thing. All right. Um, so that brings me to the idea of, of the videos that you do. And I would say, yeah. like, forgive me for just doing this the way that I understand it, but it's almost like you have three categories of videos that you do. There's story time, craft time, and circle time play. Is, is that fairly accurate in terms of the videos that you make? Well, those are the videos that were just somewhat recently put out for YouTube only. So those are, um, that's the only way that they're available. And those were a little bit sort of classroom style. But I do have um, three DVDs. Ah, nice. Tell me about and, those. And, yeah, and so, and some of those have been released up onto YouTube. So there are three. One is called Suki's House, mm-hmm. which has 18 songs. Uh, which were recorded uh, with my band in my living room. (laughs) And some of them are traditional and some of them are uh, original. And in some cases I'm using felt. So that's Suki's house. And then prior to that was the Suki's circle series. And I think most of those probably at this point have have been um, posted up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And there was, there was, so there was a mini series made for, TV. I think that's 15 episodes. And then prior to that were the two original Suki Circle volumes where uh, it's continuous running time. They, they weren't cut up. They weren't chopped up. It was created like a, a continuous show. Um, yeah. And then there's some animations that I've just made, um, you know, to help people become aware of the music. But the story time... Uh, and craft time and circle time, yes, I, I created those um, to maintain a presence on YouTube, but to also give give another kind of opportunity where I'm reading some of these picture books out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and the crafts as I'm working at a craft table. That's 
we have craft time in our house. That's a good thing. How old are your kids? I have a nine-year-old boy, seven-year-old girl, and five-year-old girl. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm in it. I'm in it. You're totally <laughs> in it. Um, it's yeah. great, though, isn't it? I, some days, yeah. Some days are great. <laughs> I know. Um, so you, you do so much. And one thing that I'm really uh, impressed with um, that, that you, that you've brought up is the attention that you pay to where the kids, not just like development in like the general sense, right? Not just like, okay, this is child development. This is what they should do at that age, but particular attention being paid to like brain development, which I think is a really, it's a sort of a new way of thinking about, I mean, it's not, it isn't, it isn't a new way. I think a lot more attention is being paid to it now. And I like that so much of what you do is to, uh, meet the kids where they are, not just like behaviorally, but in terms of like what their brains need. I just think right. that that's really uh, a really special thing that you are really keyed in on. Well, there are a couple little things. Uh, and I think I also have some on YouTube, um, some clips of me uh, giving uh, training workshops to teachers and librarians and parents Uh can't think of what I think it's called movement grows learning um, series and uh, when I studied infant development is largely when I you know looked at the the development of the brain in the earliest years in starting in utero because <laughs> uh-huh. that's where we start and that's where we first experience movement um, but yeah there are a couple of essential pieces to the developing brain which is why it's it's also so concerning about watching a lot of electronics um, in the earliest years because the brain um, is looking to create certain superhighways and certain pathways and it depends on how we what we attract it to and what we show to it to invite its interest and we do know about a lot of television watching, for instance, and whether it's TV or on a phone or a computer, it's all the same thing, but particularly TV, um, there's a way that, that TV is formulated with these pixels is the best way to explain it. And when you and I watch television, our brain has a way of um, processing and understanding what it's seeing with all this fast stuff going on. But when the brain is developing, it doesn't have that function. And that particular function isn't really applicable to other areas of life. So separate from the question of content, it's just the action itself of watching kind of interrupts um, the kind of processing that we really need. And as I understand it, it interrupts the the growth of synapses and we grow the most of those in the first few years of life. So when parents ask me, and this was a question for me when I started making videos <laughs> um, about, about television and electronic viewing, and I feel it's best to just stay away from it in the first several years as much as possible. And if you want to give your child something to do, it's good just to take them outside and look at a tree. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That you is know, good. Yeah, I do. <laughs> or do something do something with your hands. How can we make sounds? Uh um 
so yes i'm always in question about what um well there's something that uh fred rogers mr rogers said at his award ceremony when he received the award for his work on public tv and that is that he considers the space between the television screen and the child viewer as sacred wow and i feel that in in any relationship with a child so we could remove television even as the the focus of that comment i think he was really saying something and a child is so open and vulnerable and impressionable and in a very different time zone than we're in as adults their processing takes longer and they're taking in vast amounts of information all at once they're trying to learn how to where to focus and i'm always in question when i'm in front of a group of children or one child or or a mother and a child together what what do i have to give that will help them feel trusting and trusting and related to the experience of living in this moment what do they need mm-hmm. and one parent said to me once well my daughter you know she's she has a short attention span and it occurred to me i said well actually i'm not sure that's true i see that your daughter is working at developing attention Um so we don't need to distract children we need to help them learn how to come closer to themselves and where to bring their focus where to bring their attention and that's what I try to do musically or artistically um I I don't I don't need to entertain the child I'm trying to invite the attention of the child to have an experience of something specific whether it's a feeling or a connection with their own body or the great sensation of being able to do something like bringing two sticks together or to draw a circle wow. so how to bring the attention of the child in back into the child instead of out on me yeah yeah That's I don't a, know if I'm making sense. No, you're making total are, sense. It's an amazing, it's an amazingly thoughtful thing that you do. And I think to for parents to hear the I mean, you know, the love that you put into it and the thoughtfulness that you put into it makes it all the more uh excellent to to visit with you and to visit the work that you do. I, I think it's really like it's it's really thoughtful and and you really know what you're talking about and you really are you know like a lot of times it's oh i'm standing here on the stage and i've got to reach everyone but i know how to do it but it sounds like you are able to sort of boil that down into like i i need to be thinking about every kid and every kid's different and i loved what you said about learning to pay attention i think that's a a huge uh the parent probably felt immense relief when you said that because they didn't feel like something was broken but rather that right. their child was trying to figure out the world and that's such an important thing for parents to to know and to understand is that 
each kid is different, right? And we can say that all they want, but like for you, Suki Malloy, who is, you know, well known and knows what they're doing to say to a parent, you know, like they're learning, they're figuring it out. Like they don't need, you know, a two year old is not going to be able to sit still for 15 minutes. It's just the way it is. And for them to hear it from someone like you, it probably made a humongous difference. Right. And also, um, I think that we're, and I certainly encountered this as a, in my parenting too, is that we're so concerned about filling every moment of every day. And I, I wonder if it produces kind of a lot of stress. Because children, it takes a child longer to transition from one thing to another, unless it's their own idea. But if it's suddenly your daughter has to get her coat on and get in the car because you have to leave now. The worst. (laughs) Yeah. Or she has to take her bath now because it's time to go to bed because we have. So it's always kind of from this point of view of everything that needs to get done. And we live that way and we live in that kind of culture and it's very demanding. But actually what children are hungry for, all human beings, but they're really hungry to be in a direct relationship. It isn't just that they, you know, they want the parents' attention. They're they're actually deeply looking for a real connection. Yeah. Because they're coming from love. Um, when babies are first born, as I as I learned through the training that I had, is when they're looking at the parent. It's like you know when you go out on a date with someone who's going to be the most special person in your life and you're sitting there across from the dinner table together and you're deeply in love and you're already at a point where you you don't know if you can bear to say goodnight because you never want to be away from this person. Well, that's what a baby and a young child feels like about um, their parents. Yeah. So if we can kind of do less in the day so that we have more time to take great care for transitions, which is something uh, that I've been very careful about in the teaching and performing is the transitions. And so that there isn't so much stress trying to get out the door or get dressed or, and I know life is unreasonably complicated and busy, but we really have to ask, what are we doing? It's like I ask myself when I'm teaching or performing or recording, what am I doing? What is my intention here? What what do I want to have happen from this? What has meaning for me? And of course, you know, we lose touch with that all the time. But as parents, I think we have to stay in close touch with that. And in a way, the child is the teacher. It's very humbling. I mean, don't you find that? Yeah. How much you're learning from your children all the time, and, things I never would have expected. Absolutely. And I think that, and I think it's important about the toys that we choose, or the the music that we listen to, or the movies we go to, or the TV programs we watch, is to be asking those questions. You know, yeah. what is this? What is this serving? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Suki, it's been uh, it's, it's been amazing to get your insights into so so much of this, and and how all that you do is is uh, 
backed up from this perspective and listening to the music now well, well it'll be different because i'll know where you're coming from even a little bit better than i thought i did so if people want to uh want to find you and want to you know follow along with you i know we're talking like screens are bad and that's you know, true, but like social media, website, those kinds of things. You mentioned YouTube. How can uh, how can parents who may not know about you find out everything that they need to know? Okay, I'll answer that, but I don't want to say screens are bad because nothing <laughs> is bad. It's just everything in moderation and balance. Right, right. You know, it's just trying to have because we can't. Anyway, nothing's bad. Everything's it's just moderation. in moderation. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's see. So I'm plastered all over YouTube. We know that. My music is on iTunes, um, Amazon, Spotify, Pandora, all those places. Great. Um, I do have a, a presence on Facebook and a presence on Instagram and on Etsy. Cool. Uh, my website is sukimalloy.com. And the picture books are also on Amazon and on the website. And on the website, as are the puppets and other things, sort of lost track of how much is there at this point. <laughs> wow. um, and anyone who wishes can subscribe to YouTube. But, you know, I would hope that that wasn't the two-year-old parents <laughs> listening. <laughs> By the way, about that, too, is that when you're looking for, if you're going to show video or anything like that, is if it's long periods of straight running time without any edits, that's a lot easier on the brain. Yeah. Then a lot of fast cuts and a lot yeah. of fast edits. So that's a way that a parent can can make decisions about what, what their child is viewing. I was thinking about Let's, that when you were saying yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what did I miss about what I said? I can't remember. Wow. Sukimalloy.com. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think we'll give out your phone uh, number. I, I don't think that's appropriate. <laughs> no, but but anyone who wishes can contact me through the website, and I'll talk with anybody anytime. Great. You know, if we're if we want to continue the dialogue, um, there was. Oh yes, um, I have everything set up for Pinterest, but I'm not going to open that up until January because I didn't feel that we could take it on. But that will be another platform pretty soon. Great. A New Year's treat from Suki Malloy. Very yeah. nice, nice. Well, Suki, thank you so much for, for taking the time. It was uh, wide-ranging and really interesting to hear about you and your music and felt art and videos and and uh, just, you know, how smart you are. <laughs> you know, well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so thank It's you a very so humbling process, but I, I thank you so very much for the opportunity to talk with you. You're doing a great thing. Thank you. And thank you so much. I bet you learned something. I bet you learned something during the course of that interview. Of course, if you want to talk to me, I almost said interview. But if you want to talk to me or email me, mike at goodstuffpod.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Check in again on Thursday for a very special Grammy episode of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. Here is Suki Malloy's song, Five Little Oysters.
Would you please roll over? So they all rolled over. And one rolled out. Now there are four. Four little oysters all cozy in the bed. And the little one said, I'm squished. Would you please roll over? So they all rolled over. And one rolled out. Now there are three. Three little oysters all cozy in the bed. And the little one said, I'm squished. Would you please roll over? So they all rolled over. And one rolled out. Now there are two. Two little oysters all cozy in the bed. And the little one said, I'm squished. Would you please roll over? So they all rolled over. And one rolled out. Now there is one. One little oyster all cozy in the bed. And that one said, I'm lonely. I'm lonely. So that one rolled over. And that one rolled out. Now there are none. No little oysters all cozy in the bed. And then one of them said, we're hiding. <laughs> we're hiding. And the first one came back. And the second one came back. And the third one came back. And the fourth one came back. And the fifth one came back. Now there are five. Oh. Little oysters all cozy in their beds. Sleep tight. Good stuff.